Today's scripture reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 31, through chapter 13, verse 13. But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. If I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The word of the Lord. So that's the third uh, week in a row that we got to hear 1 Corinthians uh, Corinthians 13, that incredible love chapter. There's nothing like it, uh, really, in all of literature and all of the world, this description and picture of love given to us in this chapter. To begin 2021, we are looking at this well-known passage, one of the most well-known passages in the Bible called the love chapter. It's so poetic. It's beautiful. It's read at weddings, and when it is, it's very, it gives us warmth and feel all warm and fuzzy inside. But as we've seen, it was actually written by the Apostle Paul to a church as a correction, as a rebuke. It was written to a church that, because of divisions and disagreements, had lost its way. They were headed the wrong way. And as Paul said, before he describes love, in chapter 12, 31, he says, I want to show you a better way. I want to show you the most excellent way. In light of that, here's the heart behind this sermon series. Of all the helpful ways that we might evaluate and reflect and process 2020, all the challenges, all the fears, all the tensions that we have lived through personally, culturally, politically, and are still living through in 2021, and all of, we, of what we might see as our successes, our accomplishments. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that the most important question of all is this. Through it all, despite it all, am I becoming a more loving person? Am I inching towards what 1 Corinthians 13 describes? 
Another way to think of it is like this. When a Christian, uh, when a church feels a bit lost, a bit confused, overwhelmed, or when a Christian or a church is dealing with division and disagreement, and we're dealing with all of these things right now, 1 Corinthians tells us, here is a question that you can come back to again and again. Am I, through it all and despite it all, becoming a more loving person? Now, we're spending two weeks here on just the first part of 13.4. Love is patient. Love is kind. Just six words. And it's fascinating to me that probably the most direct definition or description of love in the Bible, that these are, these two things are the only two things that Paul says this is what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Everything else he tells us is what love isn't. Eight things that love isn't that follow these two things that love is. And he describes after that what extent love will go. Love bears, believes, hopes all things. Love never ends. But love is. What is love? Paul says it boils down to these two things. Love is patient and kind. Last week we looked at love is patient. Today we're just going to focus on love is kind. And now I want to ask you, what is your just kind of gut reaction to that? Love is kind. Does that fire you up? Are you like, yes, that's it? Or maybe your reaction is something like mine, that kindness is something that might be on like one of those little tea bags. I like drinking tea at night. Me and my wife, we usually drink tea and we have these little tea bags that come out with the little tags on it. And, you know, it'll say things like kindness is the only uh, tool you need. Like, well, that's, that's sweet and very peaceful. Or, or you might see kindness referenced at the end of like a children's show. Be kind to animals. That's a good thing. Something like that. Or on like one of those bumper stickers, you know, like a hippie bumper sticker where it says, uh, practice random acts of kindness. And so all that, you say, that's fine and good, but it's kind of bland. It's kind of wishy-washy. It feels a little bit feeble. You know, it's, it's, it's not that strong. The church that Paul wrote this chapter for, though. They were dealing with serious issues, serious division, serious problems on the brink of disaster. And Paul says, be kind. Love is kind. What difference can that really make, we might ask? Isn't that too weak? We need something strong here, Paul. Um, can think of it like this. We're coming up on some big football games. Uh, Super Bowl is right around the corner. So the biggest football game of the year. This seems like to us, it seems like to me, this like a team is showing up for the Super Bowl and the coach says, okay, guys, who are we going to start today for the big game? Uh, here's who we got. We got patience and we got kindness. And everyone is like, wait a minute. <laughs> coach, wait, what? Patience and kindness, they're great. Um, they're good to sit on the bench. We bring them in when we need them and they're kind of good for our reserves. But we need to put out our stars. We need to put out our power players, our strongest players. This is the big game. That's what they were thinking in Corinth. They were thinking, we got problems. We need more knowledge. We need to know what to do. We need more powerful miracles. We need people who can speak truth persuasively and powerfully. We need people who will make big sacrifices. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, I'm going to show you who we need to put into the game right now patience and kindness. These are the most powerful 
aspects of the most powerful force in the world, love. Well, we're going to talk about that today. How can that be? We're going to look at really just two points together, the strength of kindness and the strength for kindness. Before we do that, I want to just throw out a few definitions of kindness. It's a, it's a multifaceted concept in the Bible. How does the Bible describe kindness? I have a few slides, or actually just one slide that we can throw up for that. Here's a few that I found, putting them all together. I think they give us a good idea of what the Bible means when it says kindness. One, here, kindness is active goodness on behalf of others. Kindness is a readiness to do good, to help, to relieve burdens, to be useful, to serve, to be tender, and to be sympathetic toward others. And then last one, this is the one I really liked. Kindness is God's awesome power channeled into gentle healing. Using that definition, it would mean human kindness is when God's awesome power is channeled through us to others for gentle healing. Now look at these definitions and notice what they all have in common. Kindness is love in action. And what's very interesting here about what Paul does in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 is he seems to have actually invented or coined a new word. It's not really found in the same literature of the time period. Uh, he turned, what he did was he turned this very well-known noun, krestos. Krestos is the word for kindness, which was very common, uh, used all over the place. But he turned it into a verb, which wasn't done, which wasn't used. Krestuitai, <laughs> love in action, love expressed. He wanted to get across this point. Kindness is not a concept. It's not just kind of these warm feelings inside. It is a action. It is love expressed in action. And so here we have at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 13, and I thought I'd pull out just a little demonstration. We have love pictured as a coin. One coin, right, with two sides. And the two sides of what love is, Paul says on one side is patience, and on the other side is kindness. Patience is like the restraining side of love. We talked about that last week. Waiting, giving space for God to work, trusting in his promises. Kindness is the active side of love. Gentle actions of good on behalf of others. Even when we're wronged. Even when they are our enemies. That's kindness. I want to spend a little bit of time convincing you how strong kindness is. The impact it can have. And then I want to talk about how we get strength to show that kind of kindness. So I have three subpoints here under my first point, which is, is kindness really strong? <laughs> the strength of kindness. First, we need to see this, that kindness is not tenderhearted. Excuse me. Kindness is tenderhearted. It's not nice. There's a big difference. Kindness is not just an act of good done for another person. Uh, it is good, an act of good done for another person with a tender heart. Ephesians 4.32, we can put that up on the screen real quick. Paul joins kindness with tenderheartedness. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. God's kindness is tenderhearted. 
Never in the Bible does it say anywhere that God is nice. <laughs> Never in the Bible does it say anywhere that we should be nice. That's not a teaching in the Bible because niceness is so often just a counterfeit kindness. Why are we so nice to people? Why, why, do we, why are we nice? You know, it's because we want them to like us, accept us, think we are good. Uh, often it's so they won't bother us or we just won't stir the pot and we can just go on with life. And that's not bad, but being nice is not really about the other person. It's more about us. It's really about keeping people in our lives kind of at the safe distance. Like, let's just all be nice. I'll be nice to you, and you be nice to me, and stay distant. Don't get in my way. <laughs> that might look like kindness, but it's really niceness. It's often about what we want to get from other people. Now, for me, when I am really nice, uh, one uh, area of life where I can be really, really nice is when I'm traveling and I go to an airport or to hotels. When I interact with the counter, uh, people behind the counter in an airport, the staff there. I'm, I'm really, really nice. And usually I'll visit the counter and the reason I'm so nice, first of all, I mean, I know that often people are really harsh with uh, <laughs> airline staff, but what I want is maybe a free upgrade, <laughs> maybe a better seat in a hotel. Maybe I want a, a better room, a nicer suite, a free upgrade. I kind of turn the niceness up and sometimes it works, not always, so that I can get something in return. That's, that's niceness. But kindness is tenderhearted, which means people and their needs and their well-being get into us. They prick our hearts into our very being. The heart is, is, is not hard towards them. There's no wall or barrier. Instead, they get in. So to be truly kind to you, I have to let you into my heart. It means I will take on inconvenience or cost or pain. And that's vulnerable because your needs, your hurts, your difficulties get into my heart. And from there, I act for your good. That's kindness. And that takes strength. Do you see that? C.S. Lewis, in his book on love, The Four Loves, he talks about how we really have two choices in life. We can be safe and we keep, keep others at a safe distance. Uh, and he says in order to, to do that, we can't love anything. You know, not, not, not other people, uh, not, not even an animal, because to love anything else, to let them into our hearts, risks vulnerability in pain. So the choice is really hard-heartedness or tender-heartedness. And I ask you this, which one is the stronger choice? Kindness is the strength to let someone else, their well-being and their needs into our hearts. Second thing, a clarifying point here on kindness. Kindness is gentle, not weak. We already looked at the definition from Lewis Smedes. He says, kindness is the awesome power of God channeled into gentle healing. So kindness is not just uh, doing the right thing or saying the right and good thing. It's gently doing good. It's gently speaking good. Titus 3.2, I think I have a slide for that one too. Paul said this, he joined uh, kindness and gentleness. He said, remind uh, the people, he's speaking to Titus, the pastor, to 
be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. Now we see from the life of Jesus, he was bold, he was direct, he was often demanding and challenging and confronting, but he was also always gentle. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. Matthew says that is fulfilled. That's what we see, that passage from Isaiah in the life and ministry of Jesus. Kindness recognizes that people um, and situations, especially difficult people and situations, especially when there's division between people and in situations, uh, they're like Jenga towers. Let's, I have a, uh, if you don't know the, the game Jenga, let's put up the, um, the picture of that Jenga tower I have. You know, you see, um, that's, that's fairly uh, advanced in the game of Jenga. It's, it's very uh, fragile. <laughs> it's tottering. And the thing is, with a game of Jenga, if you are not gentle, no matter what you, what you do, <laughs> if you're not gentle in approaching that Jenga tower, it will fall to the ground and be destroyed. Kindness realizes that that's, that's how people are, especially when things are hard. If you are not gentle, no matter what you do or say, no matter how truthful it is, you will knock people down. You will break things. Instead of building up, you'll do damage without gentleness and kindness. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. And notice this about this proverb. When it says a gentle answer, it means that this isn't the first word or first action or the first thing done in this situation. This is an answer. Something else has been done. Someone else has said something or done something that is upsetting or irritating. That's what this proverb is talking about. And it says, how do I answer? The gentle answer. Because a harsh word will just make things worse. And commenting on 1 Corinthians 13, on this passage, the ancient church father, Chrysostom, who, who preached on this in the 4th century, but it's so relevant to us today, says, you see, kindness is how love breaks the spiral of passion and anger and resentment. We get into that spiral in, in relationships. Somebody says something, we respond back. Harsh word, it spirals. Chrysostom says it's kindness. That's the strength and the power of love to stop that spiral. He says kindness extinguishes the community fires that are set by the anger of others. And he says, and I love this, back to the coin, not only by enduring nobly, the patient side, enduring, but also by soothing and comforting do they cure the sore and heal the wound of passion. Each week, uh, we'll see how long I can keep this going, but each week I've provided a road sign that gives us a different aspect of 1 Corinthians 13, love in action. And today, here is my road sign for this message. Caution entering construction zone. Kindness recognizes that when you deal with people, when you deal with hard situations, you're always dealing with somebody in process. And you don't enter into a construction zone and go, why is this place such a mess? Where is the door? 
what's going on over here? This isn't how it's supposed to be. Somebody needs to clean up. It's in process. There's a lot going on on a construction site. And so when we deal with people, we're dealing with people in process. There's a lot going on within them that we're not even aware of. Though it's been attributed to many, there is a phrase that you probably have heard that captures this well. And uh, it has been attributed to all kinds of people, but looking it up this week, I, I think we know who first wrote this or said this. It was an author named Ian McLaren, which was the pen name for Reverend John Webster, who was a Presbyterian pastor. All right, John Webster said this, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. Kindness realizes everyone has things going on that we know nothing about. Often the responses and the harshness that we see is a result of that hard battle. So we lead and speak and act with gentleness. Now let me ask you this, what takes more strength? To respond in kindness when someone says, or does something to annoy you, upset you, something you disagree with? Or to react in gentleness, to react with anger, irritability, or rudeness, or gentleness? Kindness is so much harder, isn't it? It is not weak. It is the strength to turn away wrath, put out fires, and stop the spiral. Last thing we need to know about kindness and its strength is kindness is gracious, not just courteous. Being courteous is good. It's about giving um, people the good or the respect they deserve because people should be treated with dignity. We're made all in God's image. But kindness is not that. Kindness is about doing good to people even when they deserve otherwise. Why do we do good for people? <laughs> Right? for all kinds of reasons that we talked about. You want them, we, we want them to like us, approve of us, accept us. We want something from them in return or just to keep things kind of stable. But when we go about life like that and when the good we're doing to others isn't returned to us and the response that we hope for for the good we are doing isn't given to us, then what happens? Well, often we get irritated and we respond rudely or harshly, which Paul addresses later on in this definition where he says, love is not irritable. Love is not rude. Irritability and rudeness is a sign we are being nice. We are being courteous for ourselves, not for the other person. But the strength of kindness is that it is committed to the well-being of the other, even when that isn't returned, when that good isn't returned. An example of the strength of kindness in action uh, is found in the research of John Gottman, who's basically the widely acknowledged, recognized guru on the dynamics of marriage and what makes a strong and sustainable marriage. And in all of his research and all of his time studying marriages, you may have heard this, but um, he said and found that the strongest predictor of marital strength and stability is kindness. 
The predictor of a broken marriage is the presence of contempt. When kindness fades, they found contempt is what grows up in its place. And uh, John Gottman and his wife have uh, taught on this a lot. They divide uh, couples into two, <laughs> two categories. They say there are those who are the masters of kindness, and then there are those who are the disasters. <laughs> he said, there's a habit of mine, this is from Gottman, that the masters have. They scan people. They scan their spouse for things they can appreciate and say thank you for. Okay, so they're, they're scanning people, and let me see. Let me see the good here. They're building this culture of respect and appreciation very purposefully. But disasters, he says, are scanning the social environment for people's mistakes. What's wrong here? What needs to be criticized? And so, let me ask you, let me ask myself, what do you scan for? If you are irritable and rude and biting and quick to react to those people who are close to you, you're scanning for mistakes. You're scanning that construction zone for all that is unfinished. But those who are kind are scanning for what's good, scanning for the good that you can do to build up, to contribute to that unfinished person in construction. Which one takes more strength? To be irritable and rude, to respond in kind or to respond with kindness. You see now when Paul said, let's bring in patience, guys. Let's bring in kindness. He was bringing in the strongest players into the game, especially when there's tension and confusion and disagreement. Kindness is the strength to bring healing, to do good. But it takes so much strength to do that. As we have lived through uh, these really hard times, our kindness has been tested in our homes and in the, the relationships that are closest to us, spouses, kids, family members, friends, in all sorts of ways. And in the culture around us, the environment that we are living in politically and culturally. Starved for kindness. But where do we get the strength for kindness like this? Here, um, we need to, to step back and look again at what Paul is doing in 1 Corinthians 13. He's doing something very unique. He's not He's not really describing love as if it's like some kind of checklist. He's not commanding love here. Not in 1 Corinthians 13, the most important place where love is pictured, right? It's not a list of commands. Instead, he is personifying love. He's painting a picture of love as a person. He says, this is love, this person. And what we need to see in order to get strength for kindness is that this both confronts us and then it compels us, this person of love. Because we look at that picture, we look at that person, and even on our best days, we can't make it through very far by putting our name into the blanks like we talked about a few weeks ago. We say, okay, let me, let me run through this today. Eric is patient. Eric is kind. Eric does not envy. And just 
we can't make it very far, even on our best days. But this picture, this person of love, though it confronts us, also compels us because this is the love that we have been given by the person who has made us, who is at the heart, who is on the throne of the universe. You know, we read this in our prayer of confession, um, how this kindness, this, this picture of kindness confronts us. You know, the Bible says there are really only two types of people in the world. There are those who despise God's kindness, and there are those who recognize it. Let's put Romans 2 up on the screen. There, Paul, one of the most important places that, that talks about God's kindness says, Every one of you who judges is without excuse, for when you judge another, you condemn yourself. He's talking about how we judge each other inside without kindness. Since you, the judge, you do the same things. Now, we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is based on the truth. Do you think any one of you who judges those who do such things, yet do the same, that you will escape God's judgment? Do you despise the riches of kindness, restraint and patience, not recognizing that it is his kindness that leads us to repentance? Wow. Here Paul is saying, if you know, if you really know the riches of God's kindness, two things will happen. One, we will repent. We will say, how kind God has been to me when I have not deserved any of it. And that will wreck us. <laughs> Amazing here that Paul says it's the kindness of God that leads us to change, that leads us to repentance. And we turn from him seeing how kind he has been to the sin that we're even aware of, knowing that whatever we bring to him will be met with kindness. That is what leads us to repentance. That is what Christianity says. That's the first thing that will happen. We will repent. The second thing is we will stop judging others. We will stop treating others with harshness that flows from the judgment of our hearts. We will have the resources and the strength to be kind to other people. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It is not God's harshness or hardness or cruelness or strictness that leads us to repentance. It is his kindness that God has been tenderhearted, gentle and gracious to me, even at my worst. There is no way then that I can say to another person, you are not worthy of my kindness. That is despising the riches of God's kindness. The missionary to India, Amy Carmichael, I think I have this quote in the slide, said, this, this was just, this cuts to the heart. of." She said, if I can write an unkind letter, speak an unkind word, think an unkind thought without grief and shame, then I know nothing of Calvary love. If I can send an unkind tweet, repost an unkind Facebook post, think an unkind thought in my heart, speak an unkind word to something, then I know nothing of Calvary love. That's what Paul's saying in Romans 2. Because at the cross we see two things. that We see the thing that confronts us and the thing that compels us. One, we see this is the judgment that I deserve. And two, we see, this is the kindness 
that I have been given. That confronts us and then it compels us to run to God through Christ, knowing we will be met with kindness. This is the compelling power of Christianity. This is what makes Christianity different than any other belief system, any other religion. Because it says this is a compelling power that turns the human heart, that changes people and can change situations, that can change the hardest of hearts. It's not the commands or the threats or the person. It's not the commands or the threats. Rather, it is <laughs> the person. The person who is 1 Corinthians 13. He is the person of love, the compelling force that saves and changes and transforms us. Is the appearance, finally, the thing we finally needed to see. It was not the hardness or the force or the strictness of God, but his kindness in person. That's who Jesus is. And that is the love that he acted out on our behalf for us. In Titus chapter 3, a little bit of a longer section here, but Paul says this. I'm going to close with this and one final thought. He says, he's, he's bringing in the practice of kindness to the kindness we've been shown, that the people who know this kindness are the people who will be able to show this kindness to others. He says, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting, and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people, which we Read, for we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and detesting one another, wrapped in the cycle of hate and anger. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us not based on our works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. Through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, he poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This is the message of the gospel, that the appearance of the kindness of God in Christ, that, that, is the strongest force to change our hearts and through us for the gentle healing of God to change the hearts of others, giving them a taste of his kindness. Last week, uh, there was a final thought I ended on, final thought about patience, how that it was stronger than power, or human power. I want to end here with the thought on the power of kindness. The early church father, Tertullian, who lived in a time when Christians were persecuted, the third and fourth century, um, they were mocked and misunderstood by the surrounding culture. He wrote an apology, which is a defense for Christianity. And one of his main arguments, he said, you can misunderstand us and you can hate us, but you can't deny our kindness. That was his argument. You know, many people at the time had even misunderstood and mispronounced the name Christian. It sounded so much like the Greek word Christ, Christ Christos sounded so much like Christos, the word for kindness, that they started calling Christians, instead of uh, Christians, little Christ, they started calling them Christianus, Christ, uh, 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 kindness people. And so Tertullian said, you might not understand or accept Jesus, our Christ, or agree with us, 
but you can see our kindness. How can you hate us for that? This was the strength of kindness that was such a compelling force in the early days of the church. May we, church, may we seek to be the kindness people in our cultural moment, in our homes, and yes, also beyond our homes, to our neighbors and to the world. And so maybe you could take out a coin and hold it with you this week as a reminder of the power of patience and kindness. And when you feel like you are being provoked to anger or irritability or rudeness, just grab that coin and remember the patience and the kindness of God towards you, that you may give others a taste of that patience and kindness by the way that you love them and do good. Let's pray. God, we will never, ever know the riches of your kindness towards us in Christ. It says in your word that you saved us in order that you might display and show to us the incomparable riches of your kindness to us through Jesus. We can barely grasp it knowing we don't deserve it. We can barely fathom the kindness of your heart towards us. May it melt us as it confronts us, and may it lead us to a repentance that results in freedom from guilt and shame and the ability and the joy and the honor of showing kindness to the other people in our lives. We can't do it in our own strength. It takes your strength, God. So give us the strength for kindness this week and moving forward. We ask it. In Jesus' name, amen.